Hi everyone, I'm Steve Tudor and welcome to the Friday Show. It's the show that says to Matt Hancock, the Secretary of State for Health, take a pay cut, play your part. Joining me today for what promises to be... Oh yeah, political. (laughs) Joining me today for what promises to be a highly charged chat are two 9320 contributors who would happily sacrifice 20% of nothing for doing today's pod. It's Howard and Lloyd. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you feeling? Morning, Steve. Yeah. Morning. I'm feeling okay, thanks. Yeah? Yeah, bit of politics. That's what we need. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's, we're living in a very political world right now. Nice to see Mike, Han- Mike Hancock turn up, though. He's been... Uh, he's, he's Well, him and Boris have disappeared, haven't they? They've both been ill. Well, yeah. He was ill for a, a few days, pretty much, wasn't he? And then he was on telly last night, sitting close by to everyone. And it's like, hmm, what's happening here? That's very suspicious. Hmm. I'm saying nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I put a political tweet up yesterday and people were giving me flack, so it's was like, oh, yeah, it's just not worth it. Can't be bothered. You're not, you're not I, you can only tweet about football, Steve, come on. Someone said that, and it might well be a listener to the pod said stick to football, and um, I thought, right, you haven't actually made it as a football writer until someone says that. So it felt good to see that, actually. <laughs> it's a compliment. It is. Yeah. It really is. No one's ever so, said that yeah. to me. <laughs> so I will, I will indeed stick. Yeah, I've said the opposite to you. <laughs> yeah. Keep away from football. <laughs> Don't talk about football. <laughs> yeah. So let's indeed stick to football. Um, and in the news, obviously, the last couple of days is Matt Hancock and, and others putting pressure on Premier League footballers, um, demanding or suggesting that a pay cut is, is taken. And that's really kind of been a heightened... Topic of discussion after what's happened at Spurs uh, this week. Um, well, I'm going to throw this over to you guys. And should we start with Spurs and your thoughts on that, where um, a, lo- a lot of their staff are furloughed now, and yet the players are still kind of getting their full pay. And when you look at the wealth of Spurs, it doesn't really sit right with me. Um, Lloyd, what's your take on it? Yeah, so... Basically, I think like a lot of things flowing out of coronavirus, I think the the first point I'd like to make is that this is a lot more nuanced and a complicated issue than it appears on the face. It's the same with null and voiding the season or whatever. You know, it's really easy to just bleat out a five second opinion, but actually, there's this this coronavirus is a huge, huge kind of unprecedented situation, and it throws up so many different kind of complexities around just how you sort everything out. So I think that's the first thing. The second thing is I think I'd like, there's there's kind of two separate points. The first being about the context. Um, so the context of which high-earning footballers kind of exist in. And then I think there's a discussion to be had kind of within football, club by club, like you say about Spurs, Newcastle, Bournemouth, Norwich, all of whom you've kind of furloughed um, and let staff go this week. Um so I think the first point that always that kind of is always impressed on me is around it's just so easy to target footballers in in instances like this for politicians or um other high profile people to kind of call them out. I think a lot of that comes out of the fact a bit like um with the Sterling thing it's kind of like a um unconscious thing um born out of the fact that a lot of kind of working class lads have made it good and it offends a few people that like to read the Daily Mail and or other um, kind of (laughs) 
news sources that basically these lads are on X amount of money and, you know, they're just an easy target. I'd like to see, you know, a bit more pointed towards other very high net worth and kind of rich individuals and the same kind of pressure put on them. But unfortunately, I think that is just kind of capitalism and the way that our um, kind of economy spins. I I, I don't really like it, Um, particularly when there are politicians like Jacob Rees-Mogg, who are worth more than most footballers because of his uh, investment corp, Somerset um, Asset Management. Um, You know, it kind of holds a little bit in the uh, in the throat. So I think that's the first thing, because, um, you know, we don't really compel or ask the same of, you know, some of the multimillionaires or billionaires. I mean, you know, look at what people like Richard Branson and um, Gordon Ramsay um, and, yeah, James Dyson and um, Philip Green, you know, all these guys, um, you know, particularly people like Branson and Ramsay, well, to be honest, all of them who have more than enough money to kind of take the personal hit on this. I think, you know, a lot of people have done calculations about, I think around Branson, it would have cost him 18 million of his three and a half billion fortune, which is about, it's like 0. you know, nothing percent essentially to basically just keep staff on, um, eight, like 80% pay for, for, th- um, three months. But obviously he's gone and, you know, started using the government, um, 80% scheme. So I think that is the first point to be made that people miss. I think when you actually get to talk about the footballers themselves, I do think there is then a conversation to be had. Um, I think they can come under criticism, but I think it needs, we need to wait a bit on this and not jump the gun, um, which is, I think, something that Gary Neville said last night. He's, he's getting a lot right at the moment um, because as um, as a piece in The Athletic pointed out last night, you've, you've got the problem that because they're represented by the PFA, um, they all kind of, generally need to do it together because otherwise um, if the clubs seek to basically uh, cut their wages without their agreement then the clubs are technically in breach of contract and the players will be able to walk away now I think what you can say is that the the players could particularly Spurs given how far down the road that is they could have come to a kind of Barcelona-esque agreement where like with Messi they could have sat down as a Spur as a group of um, Spurs players and kind of said look guys you know we've got staff who are going to be um, laid off or put out or whatever. And they could have kind of come to their own agreement. Um, but yeah, it's difficult. I, I think ultimately, yes, obviously if, um, if kind of day-to-day staff are being laid off, then I do think there is something on the players in this instances like this to, to, to help and sort that out because ultimately they are, it's, it's a couple of weeks wages for them. We'll keep, basically everyone else afloat. Um, so something should be done, but I think we are, and I think people in this country are jumping the gun because uh, it is early days. And yeah, okay, if in two weeks, you know, we've still got this situation, then I think that's a, that's kind of a different point of view. Fair enough. I mean, to, to kind of put it out there, what Barcelona have done, the players have taken a 70% wage cut to maintain staff wages. Tottenham Hotspurs, 550 staff have had to take a wage cut to maintain millionaires pay players wages really it could be viewed as that right now but I do take your point Lloyd that you know let's see where we are a couple of weeks down the line because this has just become a subject of discussion very recently and you know you can't expect such decisions to be taken very quickly um no and I think I I think the final point as well is that ultimately I think it is 
the, the reason that it um, it will need to come under review is that I think it is quite morally kind of bankrupt and just poor if we have uh, clubs that are funded by Joe Lewis for Spurs, who's worth about four or five billion, using the government schemes um, basically for day to day normal employees. I mean, I, that shouldn't that shouldn't be happening. No. Um, I think that's that's a piss take. So. Well, you mentioned Richard Branson there, and, and you know what he's doing with uh, Virgin. I mean. Spurs have done exactly the same, haven't they? Um, you look at the wealth of Joe Lewis. You look at even Daniel Levy, who's you know kind of in seven million plus bonuses last year. Uh, and then you look at a, a, the wider context as well. The owners of the twenty Premier League clubs have a combined net worth of around about eighty billion pounds. None of those clubs should be going to the government for bailouts right now, as regards to their employees' wages, should they? Surely. Um, that's my take anyway. Over to you, Howard. What's your... Let's, let's move past Spurs and look at it from a general perspective and, you know, footballers and, and the, the kind of the clamour for them to give up some of their wages. What's your take on that? Yeah. Well, I can't ignore Spurs Newcastle. Okay, sure. It all, it all lumps in together anyway, so I'll pretty much echo what, what Lloyd said, to be honest. Uh, this is not on the players right now. It's such... It's just a classic... With, Classic media story, isn't it? Matt Hancock was asked the question, so it's not as if he was proactive about it. Much as I don't want to <laughs> sit here uh, defending him, he was asked the question. Now, obviously, if he was a bit more competent as a, you know, if he'd given it, just taking a step back and giving it a few seconds thought, he could have answered it a bit more clearly and then said, yeah, footballers can do something, but it's not just about them. But, you know, to expect him to come out with a perfect answer is perhaps asking for. Well, maybe, maybe, sorry to interject, but maybe he did. Maybe he did there. Maybe he did for him give a perfect answer. Maybe it was the case where that's exactly what he meant. I mean, you know, it's a fair point that that might well be where he's caught on the hop a bit and he could have phrased it different. But maybe there's such an easy scapegoat that he thought, ah, great, this plays right to my hands here. Yeah. Well, he's not the key issue. No, no, that's a fair point. Uh, yeah. I mean, they've just got a pay rise, but you know, that, that, Everything. Everyone looks at everything on the surface. Oh, MPs have got a pay rise. How can they? Why not they making a cut? MPs don't decide on their own pay rises. It's actually done by a committee elsewhere. I'm sure they could all get together and you know refuse it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's probably never going to happen. But it's not as if MPs decide that they they are going to give themselves a pay. Rise. Everyone has it within their own capacity to give up twenty percent of their wages. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't want to talk about politicians because, uh, yeah, I mean, come on. If you're going to say to someone, right, you should do this, and you are also in that same position where you could do that thing, then, you know, it's just blatant hypocrisy, isn't it? You know, and, and the fact that, and this is not a, a, you know, kind of having to go to the Conservatives, I'm having to go to the government, whoever that government may be. In the time of crisis right now, if you're going to be kind of talking the talk, then you've got to walk the walk. You've got to lead by example. And if they're on your wages of £275,000 a year, then give up 20% of that. And then you can say, right, I've done it, now should you. But until that happens... But, yeah, I won't interrupt anymore. Over to you, Howard, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you have strong views on... Uh, yeah, I, I'm not interested in the politics side, but the bar's so low for me. Uh, I'm not going to limbo dance and, <laughs> you know, excuse that, basically. <laughs> the football side... It's just, I mean, oh my God, just, you know, everything on Twitter, it's like your heart sinks. And I've seen plenty of football journalists say it's not the player's fault. And it isn't. It 
let's use the ASAN argument here. Why are we making this judgment now? Make the judgment in two weeks if nothing's happened with players, as as the PFA suggested. Now, you can hate Gordon Taylor all you want for his huge salary and blah, blah, and all this thing. But his job is to represent footballers. So he's actually doing his job very well in the same way a son football journalist is doing his job very well. Even if you don't like what he's writing, he's writing what his readers want to read, basically. So, yeah, so Taylor is doing his job as a three million pound year wage of representing footballers. If you want to hate what he's doing by representing them, that's fair enough. Uh, but you can't, yet again, he's, you know, they put in their statement, they are, they are in conversation. So, in four days' time, if all footballers, you know, hypothetically, it's unlikely, all decide to take a 50% pay cut, then all this will look pretty stupid slagging them off on the Friday if next Tuesday they do that. Just because Barcelona and Real Madrid did it on a Thursday doesn't mean all English players have to do it the same day. It doesn't work like that. We're not all moving at the same pace or doing things at the same time, nor is the pan- the shutdown, the lockdown working the same way in the same countries. There may be something. Now, why would... Let's look at clubs. What's, what Le- what Spurs and Newcastle have done is disgusting, but that's not on the players. The, it's every chance the players had no idea this was happening. So to say that they should have acted is ridiculous. The first they may have heard of it is when Ashley and Levy made the announcements. So what could yeah, they do? They didn't know that staff were going to be laid off. They could have been more proactive, but let's not forget two weeks ago, many there was a horse racing festival on three, I don't know when Cheltenham was, three weeks ago. Football only shut down, it might seem like two years ago, football only shut down a couple of weeks ago and we're already slagging off players for not doing enough when loads of individual footballers have already donated huge amounts of money. Now, let's take City as an example. Why would City players take a pay cut? Who would that benefit when City or United, when both clubs are covering the wages of staff, where does that money go? It just goes back into the club. It serves no purpose. They're better doing individual things, as loads of players have done, like Marcus Rashford, Sa- Sadio Mane, Pep himself, you know, uh, Leroy. You know, loads of players have donated lots of money. So just to slag them off as a collective is ridiculous. The ones that are furloughed, yes, they can help out there, because they can make up that 20%. But they might do in a few days' time. Let's wait and see what happens first. That's all. I don't like the PFA. I'm not a, I'm not a supporter as such of the PFA. But let's just wait and see what their conversations, where they end up before we start making judgments on players. It's not on the players. It's on those who own the clubs as much, you know, who have made, who will, if staff are losing money, it's on the clubs themselves when they're worth billions of pounds. So I, I would, I think some of this is obviously you can, it kind of ties into the club's absolute desperation to finish the season. Now, obviously, we say well, Liverpool wants to finish it for obvious reasons, but the overwhelming reason, as we can see from all the press, is that seven hundred and sixty million pounds you don't want to lose. Yeah. Clubs are panicking about money, even Premier League clubs, the ones who can really take this, this hit, are panicking about money. Uh, so. They've made maybe they've made bad judgment calls. I know Mike Ashley. I expect nothing better of him. It doesn't surprise me in the slightest, uh, and they'll all come calling back. But it's just not on the players. It's not on the players yet. Anyway, uh, I will hope they will make 
some sort of call to help those who are, to make up any lost earnings in clubs. Yes, the players can make a, a statement, but it's a collective thing and this takes time. They're not together, not physically together. They're all stuck in their homes having to deal with this their own way. Yeah, okay. This will take time. Let's just wait and see what happens first. Okay, guys. Well, that's, um, yeah, we, we could discuss this till the cows come home, frankly, but. The main body of today's pod is something which is really, if you think that's a contentious uh, subject, what we're about to move on to now, oh boy, let's get our boxing gloves on. This is going to get a bit tasty. Um, what we're going to be talking about today, everyone, is the three of us are going to try and compile the greatest ever City Eleven of all time. Um, whose bright idea was this? It was... Yours. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I am. So, how do you want to do this, guys? Do you want to... Well, obviously, we'll start with a goalkeeper, uh, and let's just use the goalkeeper as an example. If maybe two out of three of us choose the same guy, he's definitely in, and then at the end, we'll see who's definitely in, and if there's four or five who isn't, we can throw it over to Twitter. What do you think? Yeah, that's fine. Can I just ask a couple of questions? Mm-hmm. Oh, just to say first, we were arguing... So the, about how to do yes. this. <laughs> we were arguing last night. Yeah. It's very contentious because it's very hard for me to pick a player I've never seen play in the flesh. <laughs> but then again, if I don't pick, if I just pick players for the last 10 years, it's not really the same. It's not the greatest it's ever team. It's not really the no. best 11 ever. No. So I think, yeah, the best, the best uh, outcome for this is you, it's a mixture of players and you go off people who know about the players and what people have told you. So I've used other people's opinions yeah, in a few of the positions as well. So I think that's the fairest thing to do. Obviously, I've seen these players play online in videos and whatnot, but still, that doesn't give me a full rounded picture of a footballer in that respect. And secondly, you say you said four three three. Do the three have to be out and out strong? No, nope, God, no, no. So, so like, uh, to name a random player, Bernardo Silva would be part of a front three, yeah? Have you got Bernardo Silva in your greatest ever team? No, no, I'm just using him as... I'm using an attacking midfielder. Yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly right, man. I mean, basically, you know, if, if you've got a player who essentially is playing a bit out of position, it doesn't matter. I've, I've got a couple of examples of players who I've not shoehorned in, but, you know, it wouldn't be in their ideal yeah. position. But, yeah, I just went for four three three because... There's a lot of great forwards and a lot of great attackers, obviously, down the years. So um, I thought 4 3 3 would be the best this is, this is going to end up like one of Garth Crook's teams. Oh, yeah, yeah. Isn't it? it really is. Yeah. <laughs> Edison on the left wing. Yeah. So, <laughs> Six full backs. Lloyd, before we begin. Because they all scored at the weekend. Um, Lloyd, have you gone for your yeah. just players that you've seen in the flesh, or have you kind of lent on the opinions of you know the more older generation? Uh, so. Kind of like Howard, I find it pretty. It's, it's pretty difficult for me to say, "Oh, Willie Donachie was a was a great fullback." When how dare you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when I just when I've or you know or, or Colin Bell was a you know amazing player. When I've just never seen them play again. You know, I can kind of lean on opinions from mm-hmm. like my old man or or. But, um, but by the way, this, this is um, at this point is when I lost my temper on. By DM last night, wasn't it? When I just basically said, "Have you two never seen a greatest ever eleven before in your life?" 
One, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but there was one key word. It was, it was is it, it the was, best uh, 11 or my best 11? Uh, so they're two yes. very different teams. Oh, so. Indeed. God, but it's the are. best 11, yeah. so that's and, fair enough. Right, that's and, it. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, that's first round. I was going to say that. No, but Lloyd, Lloyd, when did you start watching City then? Uh, so my first... Uh, basically, I got a season ticket the year after we got promoted from the 1999 playoffs. So right. 2000 was my um, that, first season. That was actually my first season ticket as well. But obviously, I started watching City about, I don't know, eight early 80s. I never had a season yeah. ticket as such until I discovered credit cards, basically. <laughs> I got my first credit card in 1999, and the first thing I bought was a season Mine ticket. Was, um... So, yeah, I can only remember stuff like mid-80s onwards, really. So uh, Yeah, so. T- yeah, 2000 for me, So and I, and I was five at that point, so the main the memory's a bit grainy. 2012 so. for That's me, it was um, just seeing Sergio score, and I thought, well, I'm sick of Chelsea now. So so from 2012 onwards, I've I've gone for mine, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was actually my first season ticket, I think, was 85 or 86, 85, 86 season, might have been 86, 87. Um, and I was very lucky because my granddad used to pay for it every year because I was a kid, you know, obviously I couldn't afford it. So, um, yeah, I, I, but I have lent on players from, you know, yesteryear because it's not just a case of taking someone's opinion when you're talking about Colin Bell, surely, is it? It's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, let's, we'll get to that. Let's start with the man in the sticks. Um, right, shall we take it in turns to go first? Okay. How, yeah, that's all, we can all talk about our choices. I think that's probably okay. the best way, or a few So, Howard, who have you gone for the greatest ever Manchester City goalkeeper? Okay, just a shout-out to one of my favourites. Mm-hmm. Not he's not going in. <laughs> Don't worry about this. Uh, I always had a soft spot for Tony Cole. Oh yeah, honest, look, yeah, which, absolutely, yeah. Which uh, annoyed me, annoyed me when he obviously left us. And I, I can't even say where he went to. It still annoys me now. Uh, and I was watching the Sunderland. Have you have you seen the Sunderland I've, documentary? I've seen the first season and I've seen the first episode of the second so far. Yeah, well, uh, TC is works for Sunderland oh, doing transfers, I think. So, well, he, he appears there on transfer deadline day trying to sort deals out. So, I'm surprised to see him, with, especially without a moustache as yeah. well. Uh, I think I think it's fair. Again, this is a, so the keeper I've picked is one that pretty much finished at City as at the point as I started watching them. Uh, so, I've gone for Joe Corrigan. Oh, I love that. Nice one. I'm, Which, yeah. And I've seen enough. Obviously, a brilliant goalkeeper. Uh, let's. I'll get his stats up whilst I start talking about it. I've seen plenty. Uh, one of the few on this list that I've actually uh, met as well at some city function uh, many years ago. Tom Finney was there as well, which was getting his autograph was one of the highlights <laughs> of my year, I think. Uh, so 1967 to 1983, 476 appearances, says Wikipedia. Uh, so that's probably wrong. Oof. That's it's probably more that I don't know how many. Yeah. So what can you say about that? Uh, only nine England caps, but I yeah, I think it's fair to say that he was a brilliant goalkeeper for City, and it's hard to argue that there was anyone better who served a club better than him. Yeah. Well, I love that you picked him because he's quite in a quite a unique situation, isn't he, Big Joe? Because. This club has two out-and-out legends in Frank Swift and Bert Troutman. So in any kind of greatest-evers, 
you know, you, you tend to kind of relegate Big Joe and, and, you know, that's through no fault of his own because, like I say, he's unfortunate that he's at a club where, you know, you'd be hard pushed to find another club of two more outstanding legends than, uh, you know, from Swift and Bert Trackman. Um, so Lloyd, who have you gone for between the sticks? <clears throat> yeah, so again, because I can kind of only mainly talk about it from my point of view, um, I think you obviously need to, well, you've just talked about talked about Swift and Bert Trackman. Mm. Um, I didn't realise Corrigan played that many games for City. That is ridiculous, uh, to be honest, to have that kind of career. Um and then the only, to be honest, the only other people that I would give a mention to are, I think, I, I, I feel the more time that passes, the better we will reflect on Joe yeah. Hart as a goalkeeper for City. Um, I think particularly whilst we've got Edison at the moment and kind of how incredible he is and how different he is as a goalkeeper. He's kind of changed all of what we think about goalkeepers, not just as City fans, but I think as football fans in this country. Um, I feel, you know, Joe Hart had a really good stint at City during, uh, you know, a good time, but he was also, you know, key in a couple of titles and particularly in, I think the thing with Hart is that in those Champions League games, actually, he really, really rose to the occasion. Um, obviously, it ended quite sourly, but yeah, I feel with him that he'll be reflected on. Like the more time that passes, I think the more fondly City fans will remember him, weirdly. Um now, the only other guy I'd mention is um, it's more of like a cult hero person for me is Arnie Arison, the um, Icelandic <laughs> goalie. So one of my fir- one of my for first proper sake. memories, Point one of my first that double save, yeah. One of my first proper memories is watching um, the four three uh, game against Spurs when I think uh, like. Both our goalies were injured, weren't they? James and was it was it Weaver? Um, yeah, and he played in that game. And my my mum sent me to bed at half time, um, <laughs> just as Joey Barton had been sent off walking off the pitch. I remember being like, "Oh, that's deflating," and then waking up in the morning, being like, "Oh yes," and then uh, watching the highlights like later that evening or whatever. And I was like, "Oh, Harrison, what a save!" Um, I think he only played like two or three games, so he. I just remember loving him for no reason at all. Um, this is this is just a reminder to our listeners that we're going through the greatest ever City eleven. Yeah, he, I mean, come on, that performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, I think for me, for me, it would have to be Edison. But um, I, I'm happy to defer to the greats of yesteryear. Probably on this well. One. Yeah, but I just haven't seen them play. I think key to this is like how far back do you go? You know, if we, greatest ever, ever. No, no. It's, all it's right. a four-letter well, word. Put, would you put Billy Meredith in? Yes, <laughs> I mean I haven't, but of course because it's greatest ever. City, like I said last night. I know, but I think the further back before. you go, no, you don't understand what I'm saying. The further back you go, the harder it is to put them in because. But that's just where you've is. got fewer people to ask just how good they were, and the other issue is, of course. The game evolves, doesn't it? Mm. Medical science, fitness, and all sorts. So you have to. It's very hard to to decide over you know between two different two players from different generations. You have to take into account the different times. You know, well, of, of course. Uh, I mean, that's, time that that, play- that's the same for yeah. any comparisons for any kind of players. Yeah. And, and of course, that's- and there's a, there's a distinction between our greatest eleven, uh, our individual ones, and the greatest eleven, isn't there? Yeah. 
I look forward to getting married being chosen by Steve. Sucking the joy out of this. this, Oh, right. I'm going for Frank Swift. So we've got a nice little balance there. We've got Big Joe, we've got Edison, and we've got Frank Swift. So that's a nice, right through the kind of eras and different styles of goalkeeping. Although, having said that, Frank Swift was closer to Edison than many think. um, At at a time when basically uh, goalkeepers used to kind of bounce it twice and lump it downfield. He began to use his huge frying pan hands and threw it out to kind of uh, full-backs. Uh, and it was very instrumental in the day. It kind of changed the way football was perceived. So very, very similar to kind of Edison in, in innovation, as it were. Um, Ted Ditchburn at, at Spurs took on the, the um, kind of throwing the ball out. Uh, Alex Stepney at Manchester United did it a whole decade later. Um, Frank Swift, undoubtedly a, 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 an incredible goalkeeper. Um, I believed how would it, you would give a Bert Troutman, so I thought I would kind of balance it out by having Swifty in there. Um, my favourite anecdote of Frank Swift, something I've put in print before, um, the Munich air disaster when the plane had already had two failed attempts. Um, the players were incredibly nervous about uh, reboarding the plane um, and Frank Swift kind of um, tried on a player's coat and it was huge, obviously, and you know, the coat was couldn't, you know, and he's basically walking around with this kind of ill-fitting coat and the players were kind of in fits of hysterics, finding it funny, um, watched on by Sir Matt Busby, who was a former teammate of Frank and knew what he was like, knew what a joker he was and knew what he was doing. You know, he was basically doing that to kind of calm the nerves of the young players um, and that was one of his final acts, you know, he, he ever did and, and uh, a gentleman, a giant and a great, so... Frank Swift for me, uh, and we've got a nice balance there in, in uh, goalkeepers, and we can throw that open to Twitter uh, once we're done here. Yeah. And, and well, Swift is another goalkeeper that stayed, you know, at City for a long time. So obviously, there's a world war in the middle, which doesn't help. Yeah. Uh, but 1933 to 1949. So uh, you know, again, wow, that you, is a great shift. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And obviously, war, wartime. Games of sort. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, I, I, I can't remember him now. I, you know, I'm not going to keep arguing about. I can't. I can't comment on players I haven't seen, but Bert Troutman is obviously one of them. But if you, it's a, a good time to mention if you haven't seen the keeper. It's a really, really absolutely mate. Yeah, I, I still haven't seen it, but it's from what I've heard about it, and it, it's. I oh, can't yeah. believe I haven't got around to watching it yet. So, yeah, great show. Okay, let's move on to full backs. Um, so we'll basically do a right back and a left back each. Um, and we'll start with Lloyd. So should we start with right back? Yeah, yeah, start. Okay, so <clears throat> I think you can't look past Richard Edgehill, really. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, he's, he's, he's the right back that I first... He's the right back that I first remember properly well. I just remember him being absolutely shit in front of goal. Like, he get near the 18-yard box and just completely crap himself. Um... But yeah, so I think f- for me, um, I used to love Micah Richards and Neda Manure growing up, particularly Neda Manure because he was a mank and he was really erudite. But obviously, I don't think those two really get near it. For me, it's probably, I think Zabba's in there with a really good shout. Um, very, very long career at sea, obviously helped by the fact that I think he not only just as a footballer, but as a bloke kind of really had a lot of synergy with us as fans, was getting caught in Didsbury, um, buying fish and chips. I think he <laughs> moved in near that pub, didn't he? Um, and I think in general, 
as a bloke, yeah, I think he kind of really, we really warmed to him and, you know, he ended up speaking with a bit of a manc accent by the end of his time in Manchester. Um, and just, I, I, I think still ha- the kind of reception that he gets when we play West Ham and whatever, I think it's kind of shows that really. So I think for me, um, I think for me it's Saba. Yeah. Honorable mentions to people like, I, I think Walker gets too much flack. I think he's been a really key player. Um, and then, yeah, for me to go beyond kind of Edge Hill is difficult because I've never seen anyone play. Um, obviously, I think, was Mike Doyle a right back? Centre back. Or was he, a, was he yeah. more of a centre half? Okay. Um, okay, I was going to mention him. So, yeah, for me, it would have to be Zabo. Okay, and left back? Left back, I think this is the big void in the team. Like the, the really difficult one to kind of land on someone. Um, Again, so in my era, um, the left backs have been Lord Danny Tiasso, <laughs> uh, Michael Tarnat, Javier Garrido, uh, Gail Clichy, Kolarov, um, Stephen Jordan, Nicholas Jensen, uh, Danny Granville. Like, you know, I mean, that was a stellar mm. cast, right? Uh, so, you know, pretty difficult. I mean, so. By all accounts, Hinchcliffe was a pretty good left back. He was just before my time, uh, and obviously moved on to Everton, yeah. didn't he? Um, and I used to really, I, I just used to really, used to really like Michael Tarnat, even though he, he, I think he only stayed for a couple of seasons. But he just you've picked Tarnat in the greatest um, ever. <laughs> right. No, I haven't. I haven't. Um, and I think Mendy has obviously got the most, probably potentially the most skill of definitely of those players, but it just hasn't materialised. So I think really you've got to look, um, you've got to look back and you've got to look at the SDA, even though again, I haven't seen any of those guys play. So it'd have to be someone like Glimpardo or um, Willie Donachie was a left back, wasn't he? Initially, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it'd have to be one of of those two. Um, Yeah, I'm not sure. Again, I'm not sure which because I... I haven't seen either of them play. I've literally seen grainy clips of them, but um, so I'll leave that between you two to decide between. Fair enough, two. fair enough. Howard, <laughs> grainy clips. <laughs> it's like nineteen thirties early BBC uh, coverage. They weren't that grainy in the 60s, 70s. Oh, actually, I'll just I'll very quickly just dive in. The clips I've seen are pretty um, rubbish. Yeah, compared to today, I'm very quickly going to dive in with mine. Get mine kind of um, done for left back, which is. Glimpardo. So Glimpardo is in the team because um, that makes it two. Um, yeah, just for his kind of longevity, uh, the youngest ever debutant for City of the 380 appearances. Um, the tackle by George Best will put him out for two years. Doctors feared that his leg would have to be amputated. Um, and yet he came back fitter, stronger than ever and, you know, integral part of that great era, one of those trophies. So that's my left back and my right back is Tony Buck. Uh, Mr. Manchester City himself, uh, Skip played nearly a decade at non-league level. Uh, Malcolm Allison brought him in at the age of 32, flourished to such an incredible kind of extent that he captained the team through our most successful period, um, and received the Player of the Year award at the age of 35. Um, he was also instrumental in bringing through the likes of Paul Lake, etc., in that in that kind of great kind of um, class of, of you know 80. What was it? 87, 88. 86. Uh, 86. 86. Sorry, yes, of course. Team, yeah. So, um, 
And he's 31. I don't want to be a pedant, but he's 31 when he got to see it, which is still stupidly old. Oh, is he 31? Stu- I say stupidly old for football, and not stupidly old generally. Yeah, but you know, a non-league player, sent, I think, was it from Plymouth yeah. that we signed him? Uh, 31, uh, and then he went on to become, you know, a, a giant. So, uh, yeah, so Buck and Pardew were kind of just, you know, no-brainers for me personally, um, but... Zabba, I mean, if you went for Zabba now, Howard, I'd have no problem with that. So, over to you, Howard. Yeah, it's between... Well, a left-back, because I say Danny Tieto is tearing it up in Championship. <laughs> but I love Danny Tieto. For Tieto's. God's sake. Left, I've got him in a left midfield role, though. But he's absolutely... He's banging, <laughs> banging the goals in. Sean Goethe's not scored all season. Tieto's into double figures already as a defensive midfielder, so... Mate, playing uh, as a ten, I reckon. Yeah, left back Andy Hinchcliffe was great. It's it's the weakest area we've had in it. We've had such a historical problem. Yeah. Obviously, not during the sixties, seventies uh, with left. You know, since then with left backs, which is a shame because it's my favourite position. In Howard, uh, Doctor, I'm yeah, interested I mean, in your thoughts on this. Um, where does Paul Power kind of lie as regards to kind of you know amongst the pantheon of left backs for City? Well, no, that's well again. You know, it's. My memory is just not good enough to see. He's obviously a, one of the mm. a brilliant city player. So, but I'm still, I'm relying on distant memories, and I haven't. You know, it's not part of my. It's not the front of my memory to remember all his performances. Yes, well, it's, it's, you know, I mean, for me, clips out there. There's Paul the, Power, the FA Cup run. Well, yeah, absolutely, yeah. the free kick, and, and and for me, Paul Power just symbolises the, the problem we're having here between the kind of past and the present, and our own visceral experience compared because. I only saw the very tail end of his career. Um, I know that there'll be a few guys around me kind of, you know, slagging on him during games and stuff. Um, but whenever I've seen kind of videos and, you know, I've, I've rewatched like the 81 Cup final, et cetera, et cetera, he was a fantastic player. So, you know, I, I would like to kind of, you know, have a chat one day with some older City fans to know just, just how good he was, how consistent he was. Um, but anyway, sorry, mate, over, over back on to you. Yeah, and yeah, along with the likes of Neil McNabber, the golden age of the lost age of mustaches oh, yeah. yeah. as well. It's just not enough of them in the game nowadays. Yeah, they were good to be fair. Yeah, a sad loss to the game. Uh, I mean, yeah, I was saying you could have a if you could merge Clichy and Collar off, you'd, you'd have your perfect left back. But separately, you know, just neither of them can really get into you know discussions about the greatest eleven. It's between Pardo and Donaghy. If you've gone with Pardo, yeah, I think you've won me over to my stay with you. You know, coming back from the injury, he was there during our most successful period. So let's just stick with Pardo. Okay, and uh, right back, uh, yeah, right, right back, yeah, again, Tony. But three hundred twelve appearances after getting to sit at the age of thirty-one, and of course the manager. But that that's not part of the discussion about you know as a player you have to concentrate on that again. He was there during one of our greatest periods, but I am going with Pablo Zabaleta. Uh, wow! Because he's a great—he's a great that I've seen. Don't forget, no, no. you know, he, he took his—he took his time to to get into the team. I think the year we won the league under Mancini, I think Mike Richards was in that team just as much as him, if not more, during yeah, that more, season. More yeah, but it's only after then that he, he cemented his uh, his. His place in the team. I think what swings it just for me, apart from the fact I know a lot more about him than Tony Buck, is he was just so dependable. That's what does it for me. 
Uh, I think he only scored about nine goals, so he's not an attacking. He was a true fullback, and I like true fullbacks. Yeah, I know in the modern game we're supposed to rampage down the wing and get crosses in and score loads of goals, but I still have a lot of love for a traditional fullback, and he fits that. And I just don't remember him making mistakes. Yeah. He was just so consistent. So Zabaleta gets yeah. from him. I mean, for a good 18 months, possibly longer, he was by far and away the best right back in the Premier League, wasn't he? And, and then when you add in what, he's, what he means to the club oh, and, and the fan base. Easily. I remember Gary Neville used to say Zabaleta was the player that I wished yeah. I was. Yeah. Like in kind of 2014 kind of time. So, you know, Gary Neville's widely considered the best right-back of the Premier League. Okay, so at this point then, we don't have a goalkeeper. That's open for debate. And we've got uh, Zabba and we've got Pardo as our full-backs. Centre-back pairings. Um, Roy, do you want to start with this one? Okay, so I think company is nailed on for one of the slots. Um, I think irrespective of looking back or... Uh, just kind of doing modern players I think he absolutely has to be in there 10 years of captaincy um, joined the club as a defensive midfielder which is still quite weird to think I was looking back at our um, 08 09 season and it had like our starting 11 with the most appearances company in centre mid <laughs> with, uh, kind of with Stephen Island and uh, yeah no bizarre to think that um, and yeah just everything Everything he did as captain back then as a player, I think obviously from kind of 2011 onwards, he was just a man-mountain. I think he was the best centre-back, definitely in the Prem, potentially the world from then until about 2013 when the injuries really kind of started to take their hold a bit. Um, but even through that, I think he he always managed to get himself fit for a lot of the big games. And I think we saw that none more so than in the back end of last season, obviously that freakish goal. Um, so company's absolutely nailed on for for me, um, for one of them. Then I think there's, for me anyway, again, obviously I haven't seen um, Mike Doyle play. Um, I've heard a lot about him, to be fair, particularly from my um, dad's mates. Um, I'd like to give a shout out to someone who I, I, I don't think would come under the greatest ever, but I think isn't, potentially that far off for me anyway I used to I, I used to think Sylvan Distan was really underrated yeah. um, very classy footballer and potentially someone that wouldn't be that far from our team even now I think defensively he was he was excellent um, and him and Dunn for years were basically the best thing about our team for a few years when we particularly under Pierce, when we had Barton top scoring with six <laughs> in 06-07 so I think I think Distan was a, almost a little bit before his time, to be honest, and didn't play nearly enough for France as he should have done. Um, obviously, Laporte is a an absolute stalwart, but he's not. He's not. I, I feel he's not really been there long enough at City uh, to maybe come into this conversation. So, um, yeah, I would probably say it's for me. It's Company and Mike Doyle, but the difficulty for me is obviously I haven't seen any of no, Mike fair Doyle. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Howard. Yeah, Vidya's in. Uh, don't really need to say much no. more. You know, 10 years uh, bought for bargain. Uh, the injury record is irrelevant to this discussion. I think he's still, you know, he came, even when we thought he was defeated, he came back and that goal against Leicester just, and the goal, you know, 
goals as well. He scored the one against United, the one against Leicester. Key goals in two title wins, on and off the pitch, was City personified for a decade, carried that team as a leader, and we've not replaced him because he's irreplaceable. Uh, who's who's alongside him? Well, it's probably, again, like Lloyd, going off other people, I might defer. I'm, wonder, I'm taking the, the wise words of Simon Curtis will guide me through mm. choosing, sort of toss a coin between Dave Watson and Mike Doyle. Uh, Laporte's obviously the the modern choice, but again, not been here long enough that yeah, we'll uh, we'll assess him at the end of his career, not now. Uh, Mike Doyle, I think five hundred and fifty appearances. Determination, attitude, hated United. Yeah. Allison's on the pitch leader in a way, uh, but Dave Watson was a just my type of defender, just a man mountain guy. Yeah, just. Head a ball, and, you know, deflate a ball by heading it. Just how do you pick between those two? I will go. I will go with Doyle just for his time at City. I will put him just ahead of uh, Dave Watson. But either of those, I mean, Watson, sixty-five caps for England is oh, absolutely is pretty. Yeah, uh, is very impressive as well. Uh, but I'm just about going to go for Mike Doyle. Well, I, I've gone for just, um... just, just because he. he uh, he loved derby matches so much, uh, and we'd seem incapable of winning them at the moment. We stick him in. Well, there's that. that great footage, isn't it, of him kind of walking off a pitch surrounded by United fans and not batting an eyelid. Um, yeah, I've gone for Doyle and I've gone for Company too. Um, for all the reasons that the two of you have said, but also in addition to that, I think they've won a hell of a partnership, those two. I could really see them, even though they're from different areas, I could see their, their kind of styles really syncing up. Um, no one's going to enjoy playing against those two, are they? So, um, but as regards to Dave Watson, he is actually on. Uh, you know, I haven't asked for a subs bench, but I just did one, you know, afterwards, and he was on my subs bench. So, um, right. So we've got we've actually got completed defence now. Did we all yeah, agree? Then? Yeah, we did. Company and Doyle, all three went for the same. So wow. we've got Zabra at right back. We've got Pardo at left back. We've got Vinny and we've got Mike Doyle. That is our defence, and um, just minus the keeper at this point in time. And then we move on to the three-man midfield. Um, have you two gone for like a holder, a number six, if you like? No. no. Okay. Not because of your four-three-three. It's so hard. If you put a holder in, it's obviously, yeah. It has to be Fernandinho. Yeah. But then that mm. really makes you struggle further on the situation. Fair point. So yeah. it's kind of just easier not to have a holding midfielder. I, I've cheated as regards to because I'll, I'll say what one of mine now. I've gone for Yaya, basically playing in that role where the rest of football seemed to think he played for about two years when he was the best attacking midfielder in the country. Um, so yeah, I've gone for Yaya to play. You know, kind of although that's not absolutely to his strength um, to play there. So. Shall we do like our whole midfielders one each, like the three at a time? Uh, shall I? I'll, I'll tell yeah, you what. It might be the I same. will whiz through mine. I'll, I'm going for Yaya. You go. And I'm going for David. And I'm going for Colin Bell. Um, I, I just don't think you could, even though I've not seen Colin Bell, of course, you know, in the flesh, as it were. Um, you know, you can't miss out the king. Um, yeah, Nijinsky, just a complete midfi- uh, midfielder. Um, just a different class, different level to everyone around him and the people who have a certain vintage, and I include Manchester United fans in that, who I respect their opinions, 
they all say he was just the best. So, um, yeah, Colin Bell goes in. Um, and Yaya, again, just, just formidable, just a force in that 2014 season. Oh my God, I've never seen a footballer of the like. Um, and David is, for me, just the greatest footballer I've ever seen live. Um, I've seen, you know, Messi once, et cetera, et cetera. But David Silva, every week, it's just been a joy and a privilege um, for an entire decade. And he's never let me down. So that's my midfield three. Well, I might as well just uh, butt in and uh, and say it's the same. Really? Is it? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I don't know if we're going to... I don't want to get ahead of ourselves and squeeze Kevin De Bruyne in a strikers role or something. Uh, he's the obvious elephant in the room if we're counting him as a midfielder. But I don't. I think that midfield three is strong. There, almost impossible to argue against. I mean, Colin Bell almost played five hundred times for City. Doesn't really. I mean, if you just ask anyone, yeah. I mean, a lot of you know all the fans who have watched him live will say it would still put him ahead of any of the modern players. So that's just how, what an absolute classy player he was, just glided across the pitch, uh, 48 England caps as well. And yeah, Yaya's just stating the obvious, but he was also the heaviest goal scorer we've had in our history probably. So where would we be without those two FA Cup goals, that goal away to Newcastle? He just stepped, even at a lower level, that ridiculous equaliser against Sunderland that turned the game in a League Cup final. Oh, what a goal. He's just... And that for, that 13-14 season, I mean, you know, how, put the greatest greatest season ever put in by a footballer not to win PFA Player of the Year, it would never be... It would, it would be the greatest loser ever for yeah. in that. It was just, unbe- just utterly unbeatable. Uh, and just... You couldn't get the ball off him. Just swaps players aside. He's... His composure in front of goal, the different types of goals, just everything about him. It's just, he's, when he left, it was like, how do we replace him? And it was like, you don't replace him. You just, you have to play a different yeah, way now because yeah. there's no, nothing like him. And this is a player that played in central defence against United in the Champions League Cup fight. So another player who's been, you know, reinvented in a new role. But, you know, if we put him in DM, he can, he can, Stroll forward as and when he uh, press that turbo button as and when it uh, suits yeah. him. As for David Silver, don't need to say anything, do I? <laughs> He's David Silver. He's got to be in. Lloyd, have you gone for David Silver too? Yep. So uh, Silver's my um, favourite mm. ever player that I've watched. Um, so he's definitely in. Um, again, kind of don't really need to say anymore. I think the level that. Uh, that he's shown at City consistently for ten years is almost unrivaled within the Premier League. Never mind, um, just with a, just at City um, and the amount of appearances and goals he's got in that Spain team, which is pretty much I think people will regard it as the potentially one of the top three greatest ever international teams um, ever. Um, I think that says everything, you know, surrounded by Xavi and Iniesta, etc. I think, yeah, Torre as well for me. Uh, it's, to be honest, it seems crazy not to have Fernandinho in because Fern is one of my favourite ever players. I think he's an absolute warrior. Um, even now at centre back, you know, it's not his position, but he's still such a key player. Again, a bit like Zaba, I think partly, some of that is partly as a bloke. I think City fans have just taken to him because of his attitude um, on the pitch. So it seems crazy not to have him in, but I think. 
such are our riches in this position that to be honest he does have to mm. miss out um, and then for me De Bruyne has to be in but I, I'm, I'm not going to put him in this position um, so I think it has to be Colin Bell and kind of to follow what you guys have said um, if you just speak to anyone like any City fan who was around during the time Colin Bell was playing it's almost uh, it's not even a question really so yeah I think we're in agreement like on those three the only the only person I'd like to mention on top, um, he's not going to get in. But my favourite player when I was a kid and like really got me into watching City was Ali Benabia. Um Obviously, I think he was only around for two or three years, but two, his level yeah. was two. Yeah, his level was incredible. Um, and if he'd have come a bit earlier and or played in this team, um, wow, what a player he could have been. But um, yeah. that's just more of like a well, but that'd be is almost yeah if we had players if we had City players who we could have in their prime it would be perhaps a pretty different team because mm. <laughs> my hero my perfect left back is Stuart Pearce but obviously he was in his mid-50s by the time he played for us yeah. so don't think he can get I, the I wouldn't have minded um, Stuart, Stuart Pearce in his prime was everything I wanted in a left back well I wouldn't mind watching George Weyer AC Milan kind of era yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> um, I've gone for Benavia on the subs bench as well. Um, but I just want to point out because I'm just looking at all the um, teams here that if I'd gone for Zabra instead of Tony Buck, we would be in complete agreement, all of us, from you know the goalkeeper up to this point. So yeah, I thought this was going to be a contentious part, but maybe not. Maybe it's all love and harmony and agreement. But then we get to the front three and things may fall apart here. Um, who wants to go first on on kind of selecting their attackers? Oh God! Should I get it, go over, on, with? Get it over with? Go on, get it over with. Can can, can this, I just ask? You know, I know this is a bit of a spoiler, etc. But we've all gone for Sergio, right? Yeah, Lloyd. Yeah, and we don't. Okay. We don't need to yeah, say much more. Except do there's, we, there's so. two places up for, for grabs, uh, and of course we'll. we'll Say why, Sergio? But yes, over to you, Howard. Who's your front three? Actually, I've gone for Eric Brooks. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, now you argue whilst I why I'm wrong, gay. Yeah. Can't do it. Oh, can why do you take offence at this? <laughs> Have you never seen the greatest ever eleven before? Yeah, you know I'm not. Uh, yeah, the the name <laughs> greatest well, ever. No, I'm I'm scarred. I'm scarred by those. You know when before Derby the like Terry Christie always combined eleven and it's got nine players from one yeah. team. I'm scarred of I've scarred elevens uh, picking elevens from those sort of things uh, for life. Oh God, I've had to do. I, I mean, struggle. you know, from my line of work, the amount of times I've had to do this, it's just ludicrous. And it's um, yeah, I, I hate those combined elevens because. They're purely designed to troll, just purely designed to kind of antagonise. And, you know, I can't remember who it was who did one ahead of the North London derby um, a couple of years ago and he just went entirely for Spurs players. It's like, oh, come on. No, why Why are you even biting at that? Wasn't that Tim Sherwood? <laughs> Probably it was. <laughs> I think it was. <laughs> and was he in the team? I mean, how could you get mad at <laughs> yeah, Tim Sherwood? Yeah, in his Blackburn kit, he was in his team. <laughs> right, go on. Yeah. I would let's... Yep. Anyway, Sergio's, Sergio's in. in. Yeah. Right. Am I allowed to uh, pick Kevin De Bruyne in? <laughs> I'm joking. Eh? <laughs> yeah. Flat track yeah. Um You going for KDB? Um, yeah. It's just... If he, if he stays fit, stays at City for a few years, just a few more years, he, is, he could be my favourite ever yeah. player. He's just... You know, and it... 
uh, it's like blasphemy to even say that above David Silva <laughs> or Sergio Aguero or Vinny, but he's just the player I just, just watching him, just, ugh. <laughs> just seeing him on the pitch, just, you know, I think, I think I enjoy it more, his destructiveness more sometimes than David Silva. Mm. So, yeah, well, I might have to shoehorn me onto the right, but he can whip some crosses in. Uh, he's good in that little, maybe an inverted right sider where he's, you know, he's with him and Zabaleta combining. Uh, yeah, it'll be all right. So that just leaves one spot, does I it not? You, you struggled with this, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, shoehorning because it's going to be an old player. So left-sided, uh, I mean, Raheem Sterling's done great, but I don't even, I'm not even sure he fits on the right. He, he prefers to play in on the left, but I mean, on the left side, he prefers to play there, but he's a right sided player for me. Uh, you know, that classy players that could stick out there, like Alano, Rubinho was truly brilliant footballer, but uh, yeah, he did make the most of his talent, to be honest, at City or anywhere mm. else. So I think it's going back in time for this one. And it's Francis Lee, right. you know, a striker, or for, well, yeah. Forward player or a Dennis Stewart as a winger. Probably, I don't know, I could play either wings, but it's probably not his best side if I stick him on the left. Uh, I'm going to go for Dennis Stewart, right, I think. Okay. Well, so- just as a goal, a goal scoring winger, 107 goals, I think, in two, 259 appearances. Uh, yeah, it'd just be great down the wing. And, you know, I've seen plenty of him. Again, not get, didn't get seen live, but I've seen so many clips of him. He's just the sort of player I, I would absolutely love to yeah. watch. Now, I think, I think Fanny Lee was brilliant as well as a, a City player. Uh, and brilliant that he, obviously Lee would win us some penalties. Uh, but as we can't take penalties, <laughs> it's a waste of time. <laughs> yeah, in winning he'll get them so. and then Sergio will miss No, Yaya's in the team, mate. Yaya's in the team. <laughs> save. Oh, my God. So, do we put Freddy, Freddy one pen in? Uh, you know, he's a brilliant, brilliant bulldozer forward. Maybe he'd compliment Sergio quite well. But I, now I'm going to go with Dennis Stewart because I think I'd love to see him down one side. Yeah. And Kevin De Bruyne down the other side, even if the shape of the team's not perfect. Fair enough. Uh, Lloyd, your front three. Okay, so I've got two of the same as Howard. So I've got uh, Sergio, obviously. I don't think you need to talk about that, really. Um, I've got Kevin as well, uh, shoehorning him in. Um, I I just don't think there's any way, even with all of the incredible players we've had, that De Bruyne can't make uh, a greatest 11 City team. Um, I think I agree with, with Howard. I think by the time he leaves, which is hopefully we've got a few more years left of him yet, I think for me, he's going to surpass David Silva as my favourite ever player. I think he's already the most gifted footballer I've ever seen play. Um, just his raw talent is is ridiculous. The things the things he can do with football, it's almost like no one else can do. He, he reminds me a bit of it's completely different, but like jo- Jonah Lomu playing rugby. Yeah, yeah. For anyone that watches rugby, it's almost like he's playing a different sport at, at times. Um, so yeah, I think De Bruyne has to be in there. And hopefully, you know, if he does stay a few more years and we get through the Champions League ban, then I think he's, you know, in a conversation up there with Silva, Aguero, etc. Company, the likes of those guys as kind of, you know, best ever players. Um, <clears throat> and then for me, I think the third one is a bit more difficult. Um, 
I'm going to go slightly left field. Um, I think honourable mentions for Shawnee, um, even though he doesn't get you know near a greatest ever team. Um, I think very quick mention, maybe not for, again, not for everything he did at City, but Anelka was an incredible player, and it's a shame we only yeah. had him for a couple of years. Um, he was a ridiculously skilled footballer. I mean, you know, just look at the career that he had. And it was almost, I remember at the time it was almost, I was almost flabbergasted that we managed to sign him. Um, and I think he scored our last, in our last win at Anfield, didn't he, in 2003? So please come back with us. <laughs> um, but yeah, for me, I think the third one for me has to be Carlos Tevez. Yeah, I, for, I forgot to mention him, but I wouldn't, um, have, cho- I wouldn't have chosen him, but I forgot to mention, he gets at least a mention from me mm. as well, so. Yeah, he's in. He's in. He's in my team. Um, I think Tevez for me was kind of the catalyst for a lot of the good stuff that's happened at City over the last kind of ten years. I think he really bridged the gap, and in that season with uh, with Bellamy, I think he uh, yeah, he almost single handedly basically thrust us into top four. And I think the f- kind of force of personality that he gave us coming from United, it takes a real character to kind of do that and. Um, almost fight against the grain and he kind of absolutely a bit like Maradona he, he kind of just loved being being hated by them and and kind of um, really kind of bought off that and sucked off it and I think the way that he took Neville on <laughs> the like, League Cup final and like, that's just iconic like moments as a City fan so yeah even though he had you know we had our issues with Tevez I think for me he's in there okay. yeah it's just to put in very quickly the issues are why he just doesn't quite make it for me. Yeah. He, he is the ultimate street fighter, isn't he? Yeah. Which any team would be glad to have. But whilst he dragged us, his start, I was doing that chart, you know, City top goal scorers this, this uh, millennium or whatever, this century. Yeah. And you just see as soon as he joins City, he starts rocketing up, you know, uh, up the, the chart to near the top. But of course, because of that, I'm not sure whose fault it was, probably a bit of him and Mancini together, two feisty characters, because he didn't have that impact on our title winning season. And it did wane a bit later on as well, is why he just misses out for me. But I certainly wouldn't argue against anyone who wanted to put him in, because he's the sort of player, you'd, as a defender, you would hate to play against him. He just won, he won games on his own as well. Yeah. I mean, I particularly remember that Chelsea game at home. Um, it was just ridiculous. That, like... Games against United, uh, Fulham away, uh, Chelsea away when we beat them four two. Like there's, yeah, there are just loads of games where we had not a shit team, but we were kind of transitioning to the team we've been used to for the last kind of eight years. And I think he was he was the he was the bridge to that. And I think for an individual player to do that, it takes a hell of a lot. So that's why for me, he's probably okay, well, Sergio's in um, and KDB's in as well. Uh, alas, Carlos is not in, although I completely echo the thought of the two of you. Um, same goes for Dennis Stewart too. Um, just one thought I would say on KDB. Um, this, making this list has made me reassess a, a couple of things because if someone had said to me, you know, who's the bigger city legend, you know, kind of David Silver or Yaya or, or Vinny and Yaya, etc., etc., I would have, you know, said David over Yaya and Vinny over Yaya. Um, and this is pertinent to KDB becoming a legend because what I've come to realise is the importance of trust. Now, I'm not for a second diminishing the achievements of David Silver or Vinnie Company. Um but in certain big games David could be anonymous. 
you know, and and Vinnie Company, is, he's made mistakes from time to time, so at times costly ones. Yeah, yeah, you could depend on him, you could trust him, and the same goes, I think, with Kevin De Bruyne. Um, that's why I think he'll be exactly as you both said. He'll be right up there for me by the time he finishes at City. I've I've got complete trust in him. So aside from everything else, all the great qualities these players have, when he's on the pitch. I feel more secure. I feel better in myself. I feel that we've got a chance because I trust him. Um, but yeah, so I think that's an important facet, which yeah, I've, I've never point. really considered before until putting this list together. Because like I say, I would have put Yaya slightly down compared to the, these other players. Uh, and then I've come to realise, no, when I needed him, he was always there for me, Yaya. So the thing goes for De Bruyne. Can I ask, can I ask, actually ask you one Coffee. question on that? If, if we're... If we're two one down in a in a game, we've got ten minutes to go. Who for you, either Guerrero or De Bruyne, is the one? If you could only have yeah. one on the pitch, who would you? Well, that's a great point one because it would be De Bruyne. It would be. It's you know, Sergio in those last five minutes, whatever. It might be where you're you're hoping that a chance will fall to him. Um, but with De Bruyne, he'll be carving out chances. He'll be making it all happen, won't he? He'll be creating it. Um, so yeah, it's it's always him I turn to. Um, and in the last couple of years, so yeah, uh, for my attackers, I've gone very left field for both. Um, I've obviously gone for Sergio um, up front. You know, clubs in goal scorer. How could I not? Um, I've gone for Peter Doherty, um, one for the old guard. I've not seen a single second of a Northern, Northern Irish inside left, but all the old boys insist he's one of the greatest. And because he he's never gets the full recognition he deserves, I thought it'd be nice to put him in. So Peter Doherty is in there. Um, and I've gone for Kinky, I've gone for King Klasky, um, which, you know, I know for all his flaws and I know about his inconsistency, of course I do, but he got us through some bad times. He was Pele playing in a five-a-side league down your local leisure centre in comparison to the players he had around him and, you know, the players he was up against. He was a little genius and for us to get him when we were really shit and really in the shit... He sustained us. Um, and when a ship's going down, what's more important? The ship of a lifeboat, you know, and he was our lifeboat. And so, um, the, the joy I've had from watching him, um, at times when I needed to feel joy. Um, so I couldn't leave him out. So, but alas, those two don't make the grade because, um, you know, it's just my show and, and Dennis Stewart misses out and Carlos Tevez misses out. It means there is a slot up front for Twitter to decide on, just the same as there is a goalkeeping slot available too. Um, let's, let, so we've got Kevin and Sergio plus... Plus another, uh, yeah. Plus and we, in our, our midfield right. is Yaya, Colin Bell, David Silva. Our defence is Zaba, Pardo, Company and Doyle. And so, yeah, Sergio and De Bruyne up front alongside a another and a goalkeeper. So there's two to put out on Twitter. Uh, let us know what you think. And let us know who really deserves that, that slot. Um, so let's end with picking the greatest ever manager. Um, for me, it comes down to two, two guys really. Um, uh, it's between, you know, Joe Mercer and, and Pep Guardiola. Um, and for me, it'd be Pep. I, I just couldn't not have Pep Guardiola as our greatest ever manager. Um, what about you, Lloyd? Yeah, it's not even a question. Uh, it's <laughs> Pep. I, like, I think. For for entirely different reasons, um, it's the same point as Joe Hart. The more time that that passes with Guardiola, 
you know, we will we'll look back and think, fucking hell, we were lucky to have that guy as our manager. Yeah. Even if it only ends up being this season's his last or next season's his last or whatever, we've already had an amazing stint from him. And, you know, Pep's going to go down as one of the best managers ever, ever to be a football manager. And, you know, we've had him, um, you know, I think it'll be for five seasons, if, isn't it, if he sees that next season. So, yeah, um, he's unparalleled for me. The, the dominance that he kind of asserted across the Premier League in in his tenures is yeah almost unrivaled so I don't even think it's much of a question is there a danger that he'd play Colin Bell up front in an away game at Real Madrid (laughs) (laughs) I think there is (laughs) Um, Howard who's your greatest ever manager would he fall out with Yaya (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, you might take Yaya off pens mightn't he that's the problem (laughs) yeah Alan Ball just misses out unfortunately as does Brian (laughs) As does Brian Horton. Uh, well, the one, yeah, yeah fair shouts. Uh, you mentioned Steve. Obviously, Roberto Mancini is worthy of discussion because if Carlos mm. Tevez gets in for dragging yeah. his club up to the top table, then Roberto Mancini, good shout, yeah, definitely, absolutely yeah. dragged this club and stuck two fingers up to Ferguson and had a good laugh doing it before he got really angry and annoyed everyone. Uh, so probably isn't welcome back at the club, but tearing it up with Italy right now, anyway. So. I don't think he's the greatest manager ever, but what he's done for City, he's definitely in the discussion. But yeah. at the end of the day, it's Pep. And the reasons are pretty obvious, because he's Pep. And <laughs> he can frustrate the hell out of me sometimes. He really can. I mean, you know, obviously he knows a thousand times more about football than I ever will. And yet he still does stuff that has to be baffled, and it doesn't always work. But he's a perfectionist, a genius, and... Surely he is essentially the greatest manager we've had. Okay. Well, we've got an incredible manager. We've got nine elevenths of an incredible team. Um, it's over to you, Twitter. Uh, we'll put it up on our our Twitter page. You know the team that we have as is, uh, and you know please feel free to kind of add to it and kind of complete it because I reckon that team would take on United's greatest ever eleven and Liverpool's greatest eleven and. And we batter them. So thank you very much for joining me today, guys. Um, it's, this wasn't a contentious pod at all. I thought we'd get all feisty and argumentative <laughs> and all kinds of stuff. It was. It's been very tranquil. It wasn't too bad. No, oh, you didn't. You didn't like my Arnie Harrison, but apart from that, <laughs> but, yeah, he's oh, on the bench. Yeah, yeah, he's on the bench. Only because I didn't know where we were going. I thought it was all going to be that ilk. I was like, come on. But no, of course, <laughs> I, I remember. You know, that game means the world to me too. So of course. Um, yeah, let's think of other kind of ways of doing this as well. Maybe not a kind of, um, you know, greatest 11, but maybe kind of, you know, greatest games or, and, you know, there's lots of different ways of doing this. And maybe then we, we will have a big fallout, which I think is what listeners want secretly. Yeah. Well, oh, well, definitely. Yeah. Let's do yeah. an 11 of players who have played for City at some point and then we could put George Weyer up front, can't we? So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Players who, you know, in their prime would have been. Yeah. That's a good yeah. show. Imagine so, Steve McManaman actually playing football <laughs> and just pointing at other players, telling them to play football. That'd well, that's amazing. a thought. There's a few Liverpool ones in there. You know, you can yeah. have Robbie Fowler in there as well. Peter Schmeichel in next. We don't. Yeah, yeah, that'd go down well, well, wouldn't it? So. This is a good shout, Howard. I mean, yeah, because you've got Schmeichel and Seaman, haven't you? That's right, yeah. David, David James, even, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Oh, we'd love to take a play just after they've started playing well. <laughs> yeah. After they've finished playing well for the last time, Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, thank you very much for joining me today, lads. Um, All the best to you, Lloyd. Cheers, mate.
Thank you very much, Howard. Yeah, pleasure as always. And thank you for listening in. And um, as always, take care of yourselves out there and up the blues. <laughs>